0: Hello and thanks for tuning in to another Fisher Investments Market Insights podcast, where we discuss our firm's latest thinking on global capital markets and current events. My name is Naj Srinivas, Communications Group Vice President here at the firm, and today I've got a very special episode for you. Today we've actually got an excerpt from our most recent Capital Markets Update. The Capital Markets Update is actually a video that features Fisher Investments' five-person investment policy committee having a roundtable discussion about some common client questions that we've heard all around the world. So, I hope you enjoy this little excerpt and I'll rejoin you after it.
1: I'm Jessica Smith, a Client Services Vice President here at Fisher Investments. I'm joined today by the Investment Policy Committee. Ken Fisher. Hey, Jessica. Bill Glasser.
2: Good morning, Jessica.
1: Jeff Silk. Hello, Jessica. Mike Hansen. Hi, Jessica. And Aaron Anderson. Hi, Jessica. Fears like Brexit and U.S.-China trade have lingered for quite some time. What kind of impact do you expect tariffs and U.S.-China trade discussions to have on the markets going forward? And will Brexit ever end?
3: Well, you know, at this point, TO BE MATERIALLY WORRIED ABOUT THE CHINA-U.S. TRADE NEGOTIATIONS IS SORT OF TO DEFY THE IDEA OF HOW CAPITAL MARKETS WORK, BECAUSE THIS HAS BEEN KNOWN INFORMATION. IN FACT, THESE TARIFFS HAVE BEEN SET IN PLACE NOW FOR SOME TIME, AND YET PEOPLE CONTINUE TO WORRY OVER THEM. NOW, THE THING THAT WE'VE SAID FOR WELL OVER A YEAR IS THAT IF YOU JUST SCALE the, THE SIZE OF THE PROBLEM. That gives you a major frame of reference, and the frame of reference part is the part that matters the most because where this all gets debated, of course, is in the public sphere, social media, regular media, and so forth, and they focus on the politics of China-US, forgetting that at somewhere in the neighborhood of $250 billion, $300 billion in a global economy that's going to be well over $80 trillion this year, and actually pointing up towards around $85 trillion, it's just not large enough to make the impact people think. But the frame of reference part is the part that matters the most because while everyone has all these headlines about what's happening with the negotiations, which tariff, this tariff on which industry, which company, and so forth, the part that's been missed is that over in the last two years there's been nearly $2 trillion worth of new pro-trade pacts made across the world, across all sorts of different countries, not just the U.S. and China. That's going to overwhelm any one new tariff or set of tariffs against a couple of countries, even the size of the U.S. and China, and yet it's not being spoken about at all. And so this worry, which we don't want to say that tariffs are a good thing, because I don't think they're necessarily a good thing, but they've sort of morphed into a positive for the bull market because the frame of reference has gone so far into worrying about this one narrow thing, it's missed the entire part where trade is going to be moving forward for years to come now, and there's been plenty of new trade deals struck that just never get reported on. As for the Brexit issue, we've said the same thing now for some several years because Brexit's been on the table for a long time. And I sort of like to ask the question, I defy anyone to name an entity of any real significance which hasn't made its preparations for Brexit at this point. Hard Brexit, soft Brexit, whatever it may be. And even with new leadership and Boris Johnson, what we always like to say about politics is, regardless of the leader, the structure hasn't changed. This is a difficult problem. It's going to grind along to whatever the next deadline is. They may kick the can down the the curb, you know, or kick the can down the street again, or maybe they won't. But whatever it is, what we've been saying for a long time now is we'd love just to see a resolution so that the world can move on.
2: And I think it's also important to tie all this back to a fundamental belief that we have about the markets, and that is that markets are a discounter of all well-known information, Who hasn't heard about China? Who hasn't heard about Brexit? Who hasn't heard about trade? We keep talking about the same uncertainties, the same fears, and we have been for a long time. Our belief is that they're already priced into the market. They're already discounted into the market. So moving forward, they're not likely to have very much surprise power, which would negatively impact the market.
0: The other thing I'd I'd highlight is is the evolution of concern about these things has been very typical. I mean, markets right out of the referendum in 2016 related to Brexit reacted quite a bit to the announcement. And then with subsequent announcements, you know, leadership changes, um, negotiations and so forth, the overall market impact diminishes over time. Um, The same is true for a lot of things, trade, other things. There's a big reaction at first. People think the impact is going to be big. But the longer it lingers without having the impacts that they fear it would, the less market impact it tends to have. And so some people look at these issues, whether it's related to trade or Brexit or other things, and say, boy, the market just can't move forward until we get some resolution on these. But the fact of the matter is, the longer they go on without having a big negative impact, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. The more times the more, the people cry wolf about these things without there actually being a wolf, the less people are scared of it. And just through the passage of time, these things t- t- tend to lose their market-moving power. So going back to the way you framed the question is people have been so worried about these things, that's true, and that means those worries are already reflected in the market. Even if we don't get a trade deal, even if Brexit gets extended out into the future, even if we don't get a specific resolution to these issues, doesn't mean the market can't move higher because eventually they come to realize that these aren't showstoppers. They're not going to induce a big global recession. They're not likely to cause a bear market. So even if we don't get some specific resolution, just the passage of time should help investors get over it. And that worry that's in the market today should fade. It should lead to more confidence, and that should be good for stocks.
1: What underappreciated bullish indicators do you see in the world right now?
2: I think the the biggest thing that's underappreciated right now is we have low inflation low interest rates low unemployment economic growth that's a great environment for stocks but people are afraid of that people don't fully um, think of that as a time to want to own stocks and so what that's created is a gap between reality and expectations which, at the end of the day, influences future stock prices. So we think the economic reality is right up here, but expectations is way below it. And so as expectations move up to reality, that should push stock prices up. And I don't think enough people fully appreciate that phenomenon.
3: A lot of times all you have to do is flip these things around. When we were talking earlier about concerns over slowing global growth, and one of the things that people have really focused in on is manufacturing, well, just flip it around. The other side of that coin is services, and as it turns out, particularly in the developed world, and this is true in the United States, but it's also very true in Europe, services dominates the economy. It's much more a service-oriented economy than it is manufacturing. Those statistics have been really quite strong and keeping the global economy moving forward. And it's been one of the key reasons why growth has continued, that despite the weakness in manufacturing, the bigger part of the the global developed economy, which is services, have been growing very nicely.
2: And as we've said throughout this uh, capital markets update, people don't appreciate how normal these times are. And a lot of the things that are happening in the economy, where a lot of the things that are happening in the stock market are very normal for where we are in the last third of a bull market. That's an exceptionally bullish feature to have people see the normal stuff as something that might scare them, but it's normal.
0: One, one common theme to all of this, I think, is that sentiment is very low. Um, you know, With all of these things, you see a lot of worry about small issues and not enough attention on big positive issues. I mean, whether it's related to trade and people paying attention to the U.S.-China trade issues but not to the other free trade agreements that are signed, whether it's people worrying about politics without recognizing there's a lot of gridlock today, worrying about manufacturing and ignoring services, which is the bigger part of the, the global economy. There's just a lot of worry out there generally. And what that means going forward is there's a lot of room for sentiment to keep improving. What that means is we're a long way from some type of overly optimistic or euphoric environment which would indeed be very worrisome that's a typical way that a bull market ends is too much excitement amongst investors they inevitably are disappointed that weighs on equities right now we're in an environment where sentiment is very low people are very worried about a lot of things too much so we would argue and they're not fully appreciating all the positives out there and so as they gain a greater uh, appreciation for the economic stability and the positives in the world that sentiment ought to improve going forward that gets them more interested in owning stocks, that benefits stock prices, that allows the bull market to continue. Eventually you can get to a point where excessive optimism or euphoria means that things are getting precarious and maybe there's a bear market coming, but I would say we're a long way from there now and everything that we're saying here reflects a a very dour sentiment picture today.
1: European parliamentary elections recently concluded. What type of impact do you expect that to have on the market?
2: We've covered European elections in some great length, um, and there's a couple of things you can just say about that. Uh, All across Europe, uh, there's basically absolute or relative gridlock created by what was the traditional center left and right parties that dominated, being in a kind of a bell curve fashion with some splinter parties being pancaked down to where splinter parties on the left and the right, aka liberal and conservative populists, increase their share in all of these countries so that you now get these bizarre coalitions of opposing ideological forces governing that can't legislate anything, they're all gridlocked. That's bullish.
1: What types of behavioral mistakes do you see investors make towards the end of a bull market?
2: Well
3: you know there's behavioral mistakes and then there's behavioral mistakes. Um, they come in all shapes and sizes and one of the things you observe when you get into this industry and you see it perennially because human nature doesn't really change very much. The world changes, evolves pretty quickly, things change fast but human reaction doesn't change very much. It's one of the r- primary reasons I believe we get cycles perennially. But markets are counterintuitive. The, the way a, a normal human mind would work is not, is intuitively is not the way markets tend to work and that's one of the real tricks of this business. So behavioral mistakes are perennial and happen throughout every part of the cycle. And maybe there are a few that are characteristic towards the end of the cycle, but really you see these things common as error. I tend to think it goes a couple of directions. One, which I believe we've already seen some of so far in the last couple of years, is the investor who believes themselves too prudent, too clever by half, and gets out too early, or takes something off the table. And the one I hear the most is, why don't we take some profits while we have them? Well. The problem with that is it ignores the basic idea that in order to get the long-term return of the stock market, you have to be in it, and in the latter portions of a bull market is when some of the strongest gains tend to happen. So the behavioral quirk is people get out, they think they've taken some profits, probably have to pay some taxes as well on all of that, and then feel compelled to get back in a year later or so as the market continues going up and they realize they're getting run over. That's already in the process of happening. I think we've started to see it. The second side, though, is sort of the, it's the other, sort of the other side of the coin, which is that people will get far too optimistic. They'll get euphoric. And what they'll do is start chasing heat in specific categories. And maybe one way you could describe that is what we saw with Bitcoin a couple of years ago. Very excited about a specific category. But the real danger of it is, because that can happen in stocks as well, the danger of it is is to do, go too far into one direction. And so while we've said throughout this session we're bullish on tech, we think tech will be the leader most likely throughout the rest of the bull, however long it lasts, that doesn't mean we're going 100% to technology stocks. Diversification still matters. But what you'll see is people nudging over, moving, moving, until they've got way too much exposure in specific categories. That's all a part of euphoria as well. And I think those two, to me, are some of the biggest behavioral mistakes you see in the latter
0: portion. That's all we've got for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. For more, please visit marketminder.com. Investing in securities involves the risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. The content of this podcast represents the opinions and viewpoints of Fisher Investments and should not be regarded as personal investment advice. No assurances are made we will continue to hold these views, which may change at any time based on new information, analysis, or reconsideration. Copyright Fisher Investments 2019.